0: folks, and welcome to episode 54 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, John Baisley of Baroness discusses his first band, and I recommend the Austin progressive band, Chronologist. Before that, I interview Rick Smith of the band Torch. Rick has been the drummer of the dynamic stoner rock band Torch since they started, and they just released their latest album, Admission. Rick and I discuss a new album, playing with Baroness, noise music, and a lot more in our chats. So before we dive into with Rick, here are some of the submission from the Torch album, Admission. There's no mercy. So, uh, where in the world are you guys out today? Uh, or Pennsylvania,
1: I believe? We are in Pennsylvania right now on the way to Pittsburgh. Um, we're probably about a hour or two away. Yikes. Uh,
0: how's the drive? Where did you come from last night?
1: Uh, coming from Buffalo last night. So, today was chill. I think it was like three hours and 40 minutes or three and a half, something like that. Not too bad. It's actually the shortest drive of the last, like, five days or something. So, we are we are welcoming it.
0: Do you guys get to like do any extra curricular activities on these shorter drives? or do You take that time to sleep and actually relax more.
1: Oh, we we definitely take the time to relax. Well, we're actually taking the time now to go stop at a UPS uh, location to pick up uh, some an order I put in for sticks and symbols and things I needed. So <laughs> we're I guess we're just running more errands, you know. So
0: never stops.
1: Yeah, but we did get to sleep until checkout, which was nice, because the uh, nice. last few days we've had to get up at, like, 8 and start driving.
0: And this, I'm assuming, is when you're wrapping a show, it's probably, like, midnight at 1 a.m., pack in, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Usually, i right we get to the hotel. It's time to go sleep. Probably, it's probably about 2 a.m. for us.
0: Brutal. How's the yeah. uh, how's the tour been otherwise other than the, the daily grind?
1: The tour's been great otherwise. I'd say, like... Uh, the, the, the daily grind has definitely been a grind because we're in the van mm. uh, and trailer. They're on a the bus, so we are, uh, we're driving ourselves every day, so that we're usually going to beat by the time we get to the show. And The drives haven't been too short. About, once we get through the uh, of Ohio, Indiana and uh, Pennsylvania uh, in Michigan, once I get out of all that and all that's through with, like, I know that uh, the drives will start getting longer again once we get out to Minneapolis, Omaha, St. Louis. Uh, so, we're definitely enjoying like this next week while the drives are all like through it's around three ish hours.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I know you guys are going to be on the road for a long, long time. Like, I think you guys are hitting Sacramento in September and there's a bunch of dates between then. Um, How do you keep from going crazy watching the lines on the road go by?
1: Uh, You know, um, we've we've been doing it a long time at this point. I I can definitely see, I think maybe being a little older now, uh, yeah, maybe not doing it as much as um, as we used to, uh, you know, having a more normal schedule at home. Like, it seemed a little more exhausting than I remember being before, but i i would say uh i could definitely see how people who don't do this or haven't done this like we have would go crazy uh, but yeah it's it's kind of a lifestyle i'm used to i guess and some ways i'm totally happy about being back out doing it but i definitely could use a couple more hours of sleep every night. <laughs> be nice.
0: and have you guys uh toured with baroness before or is this the first time
1: yeah, we've toured with them before in the All past. Right. We've actually, we've, we've toured Europe with them in 2006, and we um, we played, you know, random shows with them through the years here and there.
0: Yeah, it seems like a match that makes, like, so much sense to, for this to be the first time, seemed unlikely, but I thought I'd ask. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I, so I want to chat about the uh, new album, of course, which just dropped, I think, a week and a half ago or so, uh, Admission. Uh, why the title Admission?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. It was the name of the. Uh, it was the name of um, the, the song that ended up being the title track, and that, and I think uh, we kind of liked that song, and it definitely stuck out on the record as one that was very unique amongst the, all of them. So I don't know if it had anything to do with that necessarily, but when it was suggested to us, we said, "Yeah, that sounds cool."
0: And when, uh, like, the artwork comes across your lap, do you have any say in that? Like, do you know why there's a smoking head on the front?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, the artwork The artwork was something that we all collectively agreed upon. Um, we had a couple different versions of that kind of art um, done by the same artist. There were some similar uh, versions, but once we got that one, uh, I think at least everybody in the band pretty much knew and agreed that that one had something about it that was striking to us and looked like the record you know so um behind like the whole artistic explanation of it uh we just really liked richard's art and kind of let him sort of make sets of images based on what he felt the record sounded like you know uh, and with a little bit of guidance from us we had a couple ideas and we also had some older pieces of his that we really liked what he did and kind of like the vibe he created and felt like it kind of fit our music and told him to kind of work off of ideas similar to that maybe so he he worked on a bunch of different pieces for us for the record and we picked and chose the ones that we thought were uh went went well together and Kind of, you know added added something to the record as an experience you know.
0: And what did you guys set out to say musically with the album? And do you feel like you achieved what you were trying to do?
1: Um, I, think, I think, I don't know if we really were like setting off to do something uh, too different than anything that I would like do uh, when we first started writing and putting the record together. Then we first started writing some of the very first material that was on the record with our previous lineup. But once the lineup change happens eric joined the band and john moved to guitar uh, that that also that sort of changing the way we wrote that basically changed the way we wrote the rest of the record everything else kind of started coming out a little different than that and um everyone started everyone was inspired to like start throwing ideas because eric comes with a lot of ideas so um he was coming coming up with like a lot of fully realized start to finish songs and um i you know john got inspired john started writing doing uh throwing some ideas together and doing his own recordings. steve came with a couple of riffs like i had a bunch of input for like different things that we were working on or, or you know me and steve actually had put together some of the earliest uh songs that are on the record and um, but yeah we uh, i would say we when we started we didn't know what we were setting out on i feel like the records kind of start becoming something the whole we work on you know they sort of take form in a natural way but at least with this band I'm going to say it's like, um, I wouldn't say we were like, this next record should be more like this, and that when after a certain thing, you know, it's like, you end up with a certain set of songs at the end, uh, usually more songs than that, too. we usually have extra ones or other ideas that we just decided to work on, whatever reason. but um, the, the main core of songs that we chose, like, I'm actually really proud of, and I think that they do have a really sort of a more cohesive vibe and sound in the production on the record it is my favorite of any of the records that we've done. And I think it's really the most representative of who we are as people now and where we are as a band. So I think that that's more important to me than uh, than anything. I, I, do, I do, I can't say for sure I'm super proud of what like the end product and how it all turned out.
0: Yeah, it's it's a great listen. I've I've enjoyed listening to it a few times. I've given it a go through, and it it made me realize sort of a tr- one trend with uh, Torch's music that you guys have. You know, if you were to dumb it down to like a single label, Torch could be considered a sludge band. And I feel like a sludge band typically has a lot of repetition. They have a lot of really long sort of riffs and droning things, but. You guys um, rarely go over four minute length long songs. Do you guys just get bored, or do you just prefer brevity um, in your songs?
1: I'm, I don't know. I mean, it's funny because I feel like it's a little different for everybody. I've seen like some people mention that like you know, "Times Missing" is their favorite track off the new one, and I've also seen people say that it's like the most boring shit they've ever heard. Brutal, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, people on the internet will say things you know but it's it's interesting to see how it affects different people Or like what someone thinks is short maybe long for someone else you know i mean i do think that our songs in general we we don't have like uh we're not home you know we don't have like 15 minute you know songs and shit but but we do we do have some we do have a couple tracks that are a little more repetitive and kind of lengthy and um and you know, I mean, I, we definitely do have some like pretty heavy riffs that are pretty sludgy in our stuff. We, we kind of always have, you know. But um, I guess, I guess, if I had to really classify us, I would just say we're a hard rock band with crazy guitar sound.
0: And uh, speaking of the guitar sound, John jumped from bass to guitar, but throughout the entirety of the band, there have been other guitars in that spot. Has he been like secretly sad the entire time, wishing he could play guitar?
1: Um like not not really i think uh he, he always enjoys playing bass with the band um but i think he's actually really excited to play guitar he's always been a guitar player versus a bass player so it's it, it works
0: and um him going over there i keep seeing in like reviews and sort of write-ups on the the new album there's like more of a quote-unquote like new wave influence on the album would you agree with that sort of statement
1: uh, yeah, probably. I mean, not, not like, as a whole, uh, as a collective in the group. Like, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that's the case really for myself, you know, um or, or any of it. But I know that, you know, uh, some of the stuff that that's written on the record is definitely, like, John's stuff, and John listens to different stuff than all of us, too. So, like, you know, stuff like that, I think, is really more what he he actually listens to on his own time so you know it does come across in the music and naturally well i think our, our band has always kind of been like that it's like if i wanted to like you know like sometimes these guys are pumped with a song that sounds a certain way and like i'll throw in something on the drums you know that's killing joke inspired which will completely change the whole vibe of what they which is completely different you know so it's kind of the way our band's always worked, and I think it's kind of how we get our, our unique result is just, you know, someone plays a riff at somebody, someone hears it, and then throws their own personal influence or, you know, taste into it in a, in a way, and it doesn't always work, but, like, we kind of, I feel like become ourselves to do that, and I feel like we can, we've learned to be able to play with our sound in that way, and be able to just continually add stuff. I feel like there's no end to the influences that like still haven't it. even like it's totally fully explored in our sound yet. You know, there's so much more we can still do and I'm pretty thankful for that. You know, at least we, we do we have been able to figure out something with our chemistry and our own personal taste and vibe. And we have we have so much to around amongst the four of us, like things that we do really like a lot together. And then we have our own individual personal tastes that are pretty separated from everyone else you know so it's cool I mean it it definitely makes for a lot of possibility for what's next you know
0: album Harmonocraft. I'll have more with Rick in just a moment, but first, this is my first band. Every musician has to start somewhere, and in this episode, John Baisley of Baroness discusses his heavy origins.
2: Very first band I was in was called The Garage Band, Nice. Uh, and we were very highly influenced by Nirvana, Sonic Youth, the Jesus Lizard, Dinosaur Jr., Garage. so expensive? it was as much noise as we could make with as much... with as many hooks as we were capable of creating at that point.
0: Could you listen to it now without cringing? 100%, yeah. Oh, cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's a rare response. Usually it's no, 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 no... I came up in the age of Nirvana. Like, as far as I was, was concerned, in retrospect, and I certainly couldn't analyze it this, at, like this at, the point, at that point, but a song needed, uh, like, hooks. Mm-hmm. It needed riffs to, it needed remem- memorable riffs, interesting lyrics, and something you can sink your teeth into and whistle when you walk out of the room. So we did a, we did the best job we could at that, at the time. Cool. It was rudimentary, but
0: I, I mean, that's the first. Plan. I loved every moment of it. Awesome. Are currently on tour promoting their masterpiece, Gold and Grey. For dates and ways to order that album, head to yourbaroness.com. Now here's some of the title track from Torch's latest album, Admission, before I wrap up my chat with Rick. Again. Again. Touched on like having wildly different influences. One I've read uh, about yours is that you are a guy who's a big fan of like the noise genre. Uh, what first drew you to noise as a
1: genre? Um, you, prob- probably well, first just the extremity of it because I was a I was like a death metal kid growing up, and um, you know noise noise was something I got introduced to through a local cable access TV show. The guy had like mentioned. He was doing a giveaway, and he was uh, giving away the UHF, VHF compilation, and, uh, Japanese-American noise treaty compilations that uh, Release Entertainment put out, which was, I guess, like Relapse's side noise label they were doing in the 90s. But, um, you know, the guy had mentioned it, that he was giving away these CDs on the show if someone could, like, call in and win a uh, trivia question. And the he was describing the CDs, and I remember him talking about uh Masana and Mammonax and Murzbow and all this stuff but I just and he was saying that it was it was this it was the most extreme music out there and that like it would it would totally make your neighbors super pissed. So I had to check it out. Like it was just one of those things that, you know, my brother and I never forgot about that. But this was also we didn't have the internet at the time, so it wasn't something that we could just, you know, look up and like be like oh okay now you know the reference is there we got it you know we definitely had to sort of remember it and you know i feel like at that point in time pre-internet like you build up these myths about things in your own head you know like you just try to imagine what something would sound like just based off of a wild description of it you know um we we, we looked for stuff like that for a while or at least kept an eye out of it, you know, about it, you know? And then, um, finally we started, you know, co- coming across that stuff through a friend of mine, this guy, Anthony Mangia Capra. He was like, a the first guy that I ever met that was, you know, making experimental noise in like the local South Florida scene, um, that I had come in touch with. And, uh, he, he was the first guy to really kind of guide m- my brother and I into, uh, stuff like that and then we had another friend brett who was like a good friend and when he found that we were getting into it he he was always recommending good stuff uh um, and uh yeah i think like what really drew me to it most you because know, i mean i had like little it's like anything you know like i go through my phases of influence you know little things like at a phase where i was like just listening strictly to dub and old reggae constantly you know and trying to find as much of that stuff as possible i had another moment where I was like obsessed with uh like Sublime Frequencies and like other related labels similar to that where they were like releasing obscure world music. I got really into that for a long time and was like trying to buy up as much of that as I could. You know, but uh with noise, noise was something that was a little different because um some the, the thing that was probably the most intriguing about that was the fact that someone who didn't have musical skill, you know, could actually create something that I'm uh, with no classic training whatsoever. You know what I mean? You can say that you can say that if you want about, you know, punk bands or bands like you know, but uh but I mean even even like, you know, good punk bands or the or the biggest punk bands having a certain execution and like skill set level that, like to a certain you know, it has to be at least of a certain degree to be able to You know executed in some kind of way that it would appeal where you know noise doesn't have to follow any rules there's literally no rules to it um and it's interesting to see what people come up with and it's like i also think it's one of those things that you become kind of intrigued by those pieces you find that really resonate with you and um, a lot of it's about that gateway you know it's like anything it's it's like Friends of mine who, when I was first getting into death metal, they, they didn't like it because I had, you know, one or two records. But then, you know, I, I, I it just takes that one record to, you know, change someone's mind. Maybe maybe it wasn't the Morbid Angel record. Maybe it was the Theicide record. They heard that, and they're like, oh, damn, you know, this is, this is really where it's at right here. But then, you know, it kind of opens their mind to a new sound. Then they're able to go back after being a little well-versed in that or just, like, you know, open to it and, and hear that other stuff that they maybe missed out on, and, you know, like, oh, I, I get that kind of a thing. And I feel like noise is like that. It's just like you gotta have a few breakthrough records to kind of train your ear, maybe, or like learn to surrender, let the sounds do what it's supposed to do, or, or you know, it's it's a very subjective art <laughs> art form. But um, but I do like I do like that. It's free, you know, and I think a lot of that is like touring with bands for so many years as well. And seeing so many bands and just seeing so much contrived music, you know, like so many bands. And I think it's cool that people play and I, and I, I want people to play. But, you know, I, you can only take so many bands and see a single light opening for you, you know, across the country. And before you're just playing, like, I'm sick of guitars you now.
0: I have some, uh, some friends who are in like a local noise band and within our scene around the greater Sacramento area, there's sort of a divide about if it's okay or like, I don't know if it's kosher or whatever to use percussion or drum machines when you're playing live in a noise band. I'm not sure why that is, but apparently they use a drum machine and some of their, their peers frown upon that. As a drummer, where do you stand?
1: Um, I mean I think I think it, it really depends how it's use, you know. I, I don't I don't I don't completely knock it. Um, I see how some people may be in the noise scene depending on, you know, what kind of specific noisy people are into. It's like maybe they wouldn't be into it, you know, or um, I mean being being into into that kind of stuff, for me personally it's like a drum machine can be a cop out to make something that to make, to make something more listenable and like digestible, you know, to an average bystander where I, I, I guess like a real diehard of noise would be like, you know, screw, like basically feel like screw anything that's, that would actually make my art more appealing to somebody normal, you know, to some <laughs> norm. But so like, I mean, I get it, but like, it, I think it can be used in the right way. Um, I mean, I really like, uh, I'm a big fan of like a lot of early industrial that's like, you know, kind of goes hand in hand with some noise stuff. And, you know, some of those projects use drum machines and they use them in certain ways that were powerful. But, um, you know, I I guess if it's like, there's ways to make, to make it a powerful thing and not like a dance beat, you know, it's like, it's one thing to be like a dance beat noise group where you're like playing some kind of. Techno beat and then making noise on top of it, like I've got no interest in that, like whatsoever. But um, I, I am a fan of live percussion over noise. You know, I mean, I think like some some groups um, have done that pretty well. Like I remember I saw uh, I saw uh, Sword Heaven one time played down in Miami, and uh, they were from Ohio, and they were they were like a duo. It was noise and drums, and like uh, the drum kit setup was. Just, like, the guy had huge mallets and a bunch of, like, a couple kick drums and a bunch of huge toms. Like, no real snare, I don't think. And, and uh, it's just powerful. Super punishing sounding. And, um, then, uh, and I mean, I've seen, and then there's, you know, classic acts like Crash Worship, who were, like, kind of musical, but, you know, definitely were in that world of, like, just bizarre outsider kind of stuff. And, like, you know, they're very percussive as well. Um... There's definitely, there's definitely a lot of percussive noise that, that's really good and can be done really well. And the drum machine thing, it's really about how you use it. I definitely don't knock it if someone shows up with a drum machine. But, you know, I, I definitely hope that whoever's using it is using it to make something that sounds really unique, you know, or powerful in some kind of way.
0: All right, I've just got a couple more questions for you before we wrap here. I'm going to bring it back to uh, to, to Torch because it makes sense. Yeah. Um so does it feel like it's been 15 years of this
1: band? Uh, sometimes it does, but not always. Like I think the band has changed over the years. Like not so much in our sound and our how we how we operate as a band, but but in our lineup. You know, the lineup changes keep writing fresh for us for the core for the core of the band. And I think that the lineup we've got now is the strongest most solid lineup we've had like as as Seth's friends and, and people and and also collaborators you know we this is the, the it's definitely the best uh it's definitely the best group of dudes that we've had together um for um, you know for for a, a actual record and a record cycle and i think we found good lives with this lineup so i don't it this feels fresh right now right now it's right now it feels fresh right now it feels fresh and, and new to me so it, it doesn't it at the moment but i would say right before like when we were recording the record i was having a moment of like when we've been, we've been doing this for really long time it's it starting to feel that way and i think that was, i think that was mostly just like getting back i think i lost you so, again when kind of, oh. oh
0: wait no you're there you are sorry
1: all right, yeah, sorry. I'm, a, yeah, yeah. The weather's real bad out here, um, and this was just kind of on and off. But um, yeah, I, I, I would say that uh, the, I think it was just like a, I was having a moment before when we were recording this record last year, thinking about you know all the different recording sessions we had done, how long it had been since I've been in a studio and things like that, and I was like, kind of having a moment of realizing how long it's actually been. And every now and then, when we tell stories and we try to remember things like just so much to remember at this point that like we we all start to have that realization once every once in a while that 15 years is kind of a long time to do something you know um and we, we don't really have any plans to quit though you know I, I definitely see our band having real long-term longevity
0: do you see yourselves as a band to play like a record in full as sort of a retrospective thing or or is the appeal of remaining fresh more appealing than having to go back and like play an old thing in full
1: uh, I, I would rather stay fresh for sure, but I mean, as a fan of bands and music, like I can see how, like, it, it would be really appealing to fans, and I, and like, you know, it would be kind of fun. We actually, before this trip started, we were actually rehearsing some old stuff we, we haven't played in years, uh, just for fun, just to kind of try it out, but it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like we're just past that at that point, at this point, you know? I feel like we, we have so many new ideas that we want to keep exploring that it's, the thought of going back and putting in the work and time to relearn and like just kind of make old songs feel natural to play again. And it, it, it was a time and place. I mean, we're not opposed to playing a couple here and there in our sets when we're on tour, but to do the retrospective album thing, I mean, I know it's a good payoff for some bands. Some bands make a great deal of money doing it. Um, and I'm not against it if fans do it in a, in an honest and, uh, killer way you know and some bands can really do it like i've seen a few bands do that and, and it was great and i've also seen i've also seen lots of bands get back together and be like a re- reunited you know a reunited unit everyone's super excited about seeing and then it's just not the same thing anymore i mean can't really force people to revisit something that they did you know 15 20 years ago and and expect it to be the same. You know, it's always going to be different at that point. People just change, so um, I'm, I'm always weary about. I'm, I'm always a little weary about it. And when bands pull it off, I think it's great. I don't think it's anything that we're, we have any real interest in doing, um, especially since you know at this point, like they, we would have to be playing songs like we did that with Meanderfall. We'd have to be playing songs like that. Juan had a hand in writing too with us, and you know, we don't really want to have to like be playing and cashing in on, on, on music that was made with people who aren't currently in the band. I don't think it's fair to anybody to do that. Um, so I I, don't, I just don't think it's anything that we would really consider doing in the near future.
0: Totally understandable. I haven't really considered the, the take of like bands being offered money to do, it, but I guess that makes a lot of sense, like why it's such a thing. Um, yeah, totally. Alright man, thank you for talking with me. Uh enjoy the rest of your drive and your uh break all the legs tonight, your your shows and all the rest of the shows on the tour.
1: Awesome, thank you man, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no problem. You have a good one. Rick Smith and the rest of Torch just released the fantastic album, Admission, via Relapse Records. The band are currently on tour to promote that album, and for dates, you can head to TorchMusic.com, and to keep up with the band, Facebook.com torchofficial Now, to close out this episode, I am recommending Chronologist. *Chronologists* are an instrumental progressive band from Austin, Texas. Throughout 2019, the band are releasing a series of four EPs. Each EP is going to be released on the day of a solstice or an equinox, which is pretty fucking rad. So far this year the band has released two of them, and from the second EP, Solstice One, here is Mandela in its entirety. as of now chronologists have released two of the four eps planned for this year head to chronologist.bandcamp.com to pick up solstice one and equinox one And keep up with the band over at facebook.com slash chronologistband. Now, usually close out the episode, I would list a bunch of places you can go to talk to me. But now you can head over to farbeyondmetalpodcast.com. There you can find a contact form to talk to me. Twitter's there. Facebook's there. All that good shit is there. So again, that is farbeyondmetalpodcast.com. But of course, the theme song is Far Beyond Metal by the band Strapping Young Lad from their album The New Black, courtesy of Century Media Records and Devin Townsend himself. Thank you for listening. Ah!
1: Catbox production.